God is good, he's alive, and his word is real, isn't it? Isn't his word alive? I just want to share with you for a little while, and uh, I'm going to open his word and just let the Holy Spirit speak to us. I want you to turn with me, if you have your Bible, or you can look at the screen, to the book of Genesis, chapter 35. Genesis chapter 35. And it says in verse 1, Genesis 35, 1, it says, Then God said to Jacob, Get ready. Everybody say, Get ready. It says in the New King James, it says, Arise. Everybody say, Arise. He says, I want you to get ready. I want you to arise. I want you to get up. I want you to stop what you're doing now. I want you to get out of the place that you're in now. And I've got something for you to do. He says, I want you to arise. I want you to get ready because I want you to move. Everybody say move. He said, there's been some, you've been in a place that I want you to get out of. You've been some places in your life, and I'm ready for you to move into a new place in your life. You know, the Lord is still saying the same thing to us as believers. You've been on a journey. You've been many places in that journey. And I'm not condemning you. Speaking for the Lord, the Lord will be saying to Jacob, I'm not condemning you for how you got there. We don't want to, I'm not going to go over what, took you to here and took you to there. I just want you to know that it's time to go to Bethel. It's time to get up and move. It's time to arise and go to Bethel. Everybody say, move to Bethel and settle there. I want you to dwell there. He says, when you get there, I want you to build an altar. And there where God, he says, build an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So I want you just to quickly, I want to start there, but I want to go quickly and let's go and read back in chapter 28 what happened. Church, are we excited to be here today? This is God's church, right? not his building. This is his church, and we gather in a building. You are his church. You are his people. We are one body. We're the body of Christ. We are all parts of one body, that every single one of you are an integral part. Every one of you is needed. In fact, the most unneeded in the natural or the most secret, the word says, even the the things that we don't see on the natural body with clothing on, we are important and protected and covered. I mean, science is just learning more and more and more how important each part is. Sometimes they say, you know, that's not important. We don't need this. We don't need that in your body. And what's funny is if we took away the little pinky toe of your foot, right, we know you would lose all your balance, that little tiny part of your foot is there to balance you. Am I right? F N P. <laughs> Sorry. That's my my sister just graduated 
and became family nurse practitioner. That little pinky toe is there to balance you. Each part is important. God has put us together as a body. We are all together his house. We are all together his body. That's so important that we don't forget that. It says here in Genesis chapter 28 that Isaac called for Jacob in verse 1 and he blessed him. And he said, to him, you must not marry any of these Canaanite women. Instead, so he was already in, he was around the region of Bethel. He was near Bethel. He was in Canaan. And he says, I want you to go. Everybody say, go. go. At once, he said to Padan Aram. Everybody say, Padan Aram. And that's our American English translation of that. Who knows how they say it? I don't care. Doesn't really matter right now. But he says, I want you to go to the place to Padanaram, to the house of your grandfather Bethuel, and I want you to marry one of your uncle Laban's daughters. And then he gives him a blessing, continues his blessing in verse three. God's going to multiply you, he's going to make you many nations. Verse four, and may God pass on to you and your descendants the blessings he promised to Abraham. And may you own this land and and then he says, verse 5, that he sent Jacob away to Padanaram to stay with his uncle. And verse 10 says, meanwhile, Jacob left. Everybody say, he left. Jacob was obedient to his father. And if you know the story of Jacob, there's a reason why he has to run. That's not today's sermon. But you can look more into that. He was, Jacob's name means supplanter or deceiver. I hate when people give Jacob a hard time because Jacob, the Bible says, God loved. And everybody judges Jacob. They look at Jacob and he's like, he's a deceiver. I think Jacob is the human race. As soon as you think that you're different than Jacob, you're already in pride. We're all Jacob. Come on. We all want what we want, and we scheme and we connive to get what we want. That's what he did. He just said, this is what I want, and I'm going to make it happen. That's the world system. The world says, if I work hard enough, I can get what I want. God says, submit to me, trust in me. I promise you nothing except that I won't leave you. You'll always have food. You'll always have clothing. Your shoes won't wear out. My love will be with you, most importantly, and I'll secure an eternal promise for you forever and ever that cannot be stolen, that rust does not destroy, etc. But the world says, fight for your own. Make your own way. But nonetheless, Jacob, in this moment, is obedient. He got himself into a mess like we all do. <laughs> he got himself into the flesh, like we all do. You know we all get into the flesh. We all get flesh. All of us get flesh at, at some point or another, and it happens more than once in your life. You think the flesh, it, we, the flesh is supposed to be dead, but for many of us as believers, the flesh is not always dead yet, is it? It's supposed to be, but it's not always, is it? And thank the Lord Jesus for his grace and his mercy and his blood and the Holy Spirit for a constant cleansing and washing and straightening that he will deal with that flesh 
for us. We just get back on the altar again. It's very simple. You know, if you look at the old picture, as I was talking about during worship, of the old worship, they brought the offerings. Some of them were daily. Some of them were seasonally. Some of them were yearly. There was a constant offering going on. Those guys never had time off. That is your life now. That's why you are a living sacrifice. You're not on fire today. Tomorrow I get off. Jesus, I'll be back next year for the, you know, we'll do the atonement sacrifice next year. We'll deal with it again once a year on Easter. We'll come and we'll deal with our hearts. It's a daily sacrifice. But we get in flesh, we get off, we get out of whack, we make mistakes, and we thank the Lord that he doesn't keep us there. He makes a plan for us. The Lord puts us on a journey sometimes so that we learn the right way. Who's been on a journey in your life? Who has learned the right way yet? We're learning. Jacob's life is really what it is a picture of is learning. It's learning if you want to do it that way, you want to do flesh, you're going to get flesh. So I preached on Galatians last week. I meant to go into the story of Abraham or Isaac or Jacob. I wasn't sure, but somewhere because it connects to Galatians about our flesh. But if you want flesh, you're going to get flesh. You want spirit, you'll get spirit. The spirit way is not the flesh way. Flesh way is through you, through your own strength. Make it happen. Work hard. Strive. Scheme, connive, etc. Pride, your natural man. And that will bring you a flesh result. It is only through the Lord. And so he leaves and it says, verse 10, that he traveled toward Haran which is interesting because this is where it all began. You got to go back. The Lord's like, okay, took Abraham out of there. But Jacob, it looks like I got to bring you back. Sometimes you have to go back. You got to go through some things to get somewhere. You know that you have to go through some things sometimes to get to where God wants you to be. Sometimes God's got to take away things in your life before he can give you things. Did you know that? Who's had the Lord strip you down before he builds you up? Uh, Every time realistically, every time. And that's why I was preaching some weeks ago about new wine must go into new wine skins. If you don't get rid of your old skin and he gives you new wine, you're going you're gonna to die. Not only is what he had for you lost and for others lost, but it says then the wine skin will burst and the wine is lost. So in order for the Lord to give us new wine, and we want new wine, New wine is new wine. It's eternal. It's always new. You know, his word is new always. Who reads his word and finds something new in it every time? If you don't, ask the Holy Spirit to start to bring it back to life again. Maybe you're in it too quickly or it's more, it's become religious and don't get condemned by that. But now ask the Holy Spirit to make it life again because it is constantly new wine and new life. But he ends up in Padan Aram, eventually. But before that happens, verse 11, it says, at sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp, and he stopped there for the night. And it says, Jacob found a stone 
to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. And as he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. This is the real stairway to heaven, by the way. I mean, the world has a Listen, guys, it's proven my point. The world has a way. Stairway to heaven is not an eight-minute song. Stairway to heaven is a spiritual journey within your heart. Okay? There's only one stairway to heaven. It's not through drugs. It's not through a catchy three-minute intro. It's a stairway to hell, by the way. It's a downward staircase. It's a downward spiral staircase. You want to be honest about that song. Not heaven he's leading you to. But there's a real stairway to heaven, and he got to see it. And he says, at the top of the stairway stood the Lord. How amazing is this? And he said, I'm the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. He doesn't say that I'm your God. Do you notice he says, I'm your grandfather's God and I'm your father's God. And what we're going to look at is how he's going to say to Jacob, I'll be your God too, if you're willing. Are you willing to come and make me your God as well? But the Lord prophesies before we ever do anything, doesn't he? Who had a prophecy as soon as you were born? right? All of us. Who had the plan and purpose? You knew who you were in God before you ever knew God. You'd say something like, well, I always knew there was something, right? You hear this from, from mature believers. Like when I was a little girl, a little boy, I always knew. I always knew I wanted God. I just didn't know what that was or where to find him. And I didn't like what I saw, but I always knew God was in there somewhere, right? Because he was already, before Jacob goes through the journey, God's already got him in his hand, and the Lord's got you in his hand as well today. The Lord's got a plan and purpose for you, no matter what you've got planned for yourself. And as long as it takes, everybody say, as long as it takes to figure that out, God is willing to walk alongside you. He'll walk along your flesh until it's dead. He will, because he loves you. But it must die. Ultimately, at the end, God and flesh don't mix. Just like oil and water, they don't mix. God doesn't mix with our flesh. He stands beside us, beside us and loves us. And the Holy Spirit, because remember the Holy Spirit was breathed in the flesh. So God used the Spirit just as he's using the Spirit now. God himself, the Father God, he cannot be near you. So the Holy Spirit does it, does a work in you. And maybe it sounds like splitting hairs, but that's God's... That's God's hierarchy. That's his system. And he does it through his spirit, but he's doing a work in you so that one day, then you will be able to stand before him. Because there's no more flesh left. When the Holy Spirit has finished the work in you, there is no more flesh left. Anybody got flesh in here today? Okay, everybody, because no one raised their hands. He says, at the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, the ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. 
Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth, and they will spread out in all directions to the west and the east and to the north and to the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I'm with you. Everybody say, he's with us. And he says, and I will protect you wherever you will go. Now, who knows? We don't have time for the story today. If we did, I would read it. But Jacob's story is long and strenuous and with many twists and turns. And with, you know, Jacob doesn't deceive from this point on. Some people think he does. He doesn't. Really go and dissect his story. There's no more deception in him. He's the one that gets deceived over and over and over again. And there's actually more. There must be more to the story that Genesis sums up because the Bible says that Jacob tells, and I don't think it's an exaggeration. I don't think he was just paraphrasing when he says to his father-in-law that you changed my wages 10 times. The Bible doesn't, say, doesn't give us all those 10 times, but I believe it when he said it that it happened. And we read, though, that he says, okay, I'm going to give you, uh, you know, finally, Jacob has worked for seven years, and then another seven years, and now he has his wives, and he has his children, but he has nothing. Everything he's given has been given to Laban. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to start giving you some, some of your own wealth. And he's like, you can have the streets, you can have the spotted. So he tells his sons to go and steal all the streaked and spotted and take them three days' journey into the mountains. So basically, Jacob's got nothing left to work with. And everybody thinks it's deception that he does because Jacob has them stand by the streaked rods. And you don't make streaked and spotted babies by them eating certain foods or looking at certain foods and rods, okay? This was a supernatural event that God fended for him because he had been deceived and deceived and deceived and deceived. And basically, the Lord taught him for about 20 years. If you want to do things in the flesh, you're going to get a flesh result. You want to work hard? You can work hard. Let me do it. Why don't you let me do this? Why don't you let me make you who you are? Let me put you where I want you to be. And there's many more things to that, but just for time, we don't have time for that today, but he says, verse 18, the next morning Jacob got up early. He took the stone he had rested his head against and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. And then he poured olive oil over it. And in verse 19, he named the place Bethel. Everybody say he named that place Bethel, which means house of God. And although it was previously called Luz, and there's some more information there, which we don't have time for, but it was already named something. God placed Jacob here, said, this is your land. I'm giving it to you. And there's already an establishment. There's already something going on here, but I'm God, and this is your land, and this is my house. Isn't that amazing? And there's many things there. I'm going to leave that for now, for today. But he says... Jacob makes a vow, verse 20, if God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. Some people have thought, see, he's still bargaining. I don't see that as a bargain. It's basically like, listen, God, I'll serve you. You take care of me. I'll serve you. You stay with me. I'll stay with you. I don't think that's a bad bargain. 
I think we can all bargain with God just for that. Lord, I'll serve you. You just take care of me. You provide for me. You, you lead the way and I'll, I'll stay with you. I don't see the scheming and conniving in this. I see human beings seeing the life that they're given and saying there must be another way. There must be a better way. And God says, yeah, I've got a way. Trust in me. And he sets up a memorial pillar, verse 22, and it became a place for worshiping God. Everybody say, it became a place for worshiping God. So he made a place to worship God, and then he says, and I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. So if this were a Bible study, I would now go into what happened for the next 20 years. I encourage you to go ahead and read from Genesis 28. This is your homework this week, but you can read from Genesis 28 through 35. Really read it and really dissect it. I encourage you to do that. God wants you to be in your word. He wants his church to be in his word. And I have a short amount of time to preach the word to you. Um, But you have to actually decide to start reading it and understanding it on your own daily. I can't do that. I'm just here to encourage you for only 45 minutes, barely a week. So I encourage you, go ahead and read the rest of the story. It's not just history. There is an amazing picture of what God does in normal. This is normal human beings. Jacob's a normal human being who just wants what he wants, and God teaches us that he's God. And I'm going to paraphrase it with that for today. You're not going to leave any, I'm not going to say any more about that. So let's come back here to Genesis 35. He goes through his journey. Everybody say he goes through his journey. So he's been on a journey, all right? He met God. There was some circumstances that got him on his journey that wasn't God, but he got on a journey and God said, I'll be with you on that journey, okay? So many of us have got ourselves on journeys that God didn't do to you. We point the finger at God all the time. We say, God, where are you? And God's like, well, I love you. I'll provide for you. I'll give you a wife, give some wives in this case, it's Old Testament, but I'll, I'll give you children. I'll bless you. But I'm not saying it's going to be easy. You put yourself in this situation. I'm not going to leave you, but I'm going to use this situation to teach you that I'm God. And then if you trust in me, you won't need to trust in anything else. So he goes on a journey as we all have been on in our lives by our own doing, but God's been using it and using it, and using it, and using it, and there's some breaking off, and some dealing, and finally what happens, right? Just before this, what happens? He deals with God. He comes to, he comes, and he deals with God, and he comes to this place where he wrestles. Everybody say, Jacob wrestled. He came to this end wrestling place where it was settled, And finally, it says that his hip (laughs) was put out, right? And, And he was at this moment done. It was finished. There's no more struggling. There's no more striving. There's no more Jacob trying to do it. Now you must lean. Come on, what happens when the hip goes out? Come on, Tony. Sorry, Tony. We love you and we're praying for that hip to be healed, those legs to be healed in Jesus' name. But what happens? For a time being, the Cain's there. The reliance. 
You can't walk on your own. Now, it caused him to limp. It caused him to rely. He had to lean upon the Lord. It, your wrestling must end with a place where you, you lean upon the Lord, where you are done. It's finished. And in that place, many special things happen, right? Many things happen where you end. He deals with his brother, forgiveness, reconciliation. Come on, you get to that place and his brother, he thinks his brother is going to come out and kill him. Remember the story? He comes out with 400. And so Jacob starts dividing up and separating his family so that if they take some out, maybe they don't take all of them out. But the Lord had actually done a miracle over that time and had healed the wounds. And Esau says, I don't need anything from you. And they hug and kiss and embrace as brothers and they bury their father together. There was this ending of the wrestling, ending of the flesh. And you know what God says after all of that? Then we come into Genesis 35 and he's like, Jacob, I want you to go to Bethel. This is what it's all about. It started with me and you went on a journey that seemed like there was no Bethel. I was there all along. But now when you come back to Bethel, I'm not the God of your fathers anymore. I want to be your personal God. He made him a promise. Come on, let's look at this picture. And I know I breezed through the story because I have so limited time, but the point is that he put him in this place where he says, I'm going to give you this land. I'll be your God. But he had to go through a place. He had to deal with some things. You have to deal with some things. You have to deal with some issues in your heart. You have to actually even be abused. Come on, Jesus was abused. It says if we suffer with Christ, we'll reign with Christ. You have to actually go through that place. You have to go through those things so that you can get here. Genesis 35. And if I could sit with Jacob, I see him as a young man, you know, like, all the young men today that are ready to go and make things happen. They wake up in the morning and I'm going to make life happen. And now I see him as a man who's a little wiser. The Lord had humbled him. And he's been blessed all through it. You know, the Lord, when you walk with the Lord, he still blessed him all the way through it. He didn't feel like he had those things yet because he was still kind of in a bondage place, right, over with Laban. But he had many things in that place. And you can go through all of the patriarchs, and you're going to find the same exact story, that even in, their, even in the place of training and striving and struggling and wrestling with God, he still took care of you and blessed you. But then there's that place where we just, who's, who's coming to that place or who got to that place where it just breaks? You love that breaking place. Tony, sorry to pick on you, but Tony tells me of a drive that he had up to the Catskills. It's amazing. It was his moment here with God, just like this, where all of a sudden, just like that, the Lord touched his hip. It wasn't his physical hip, it was a spiritual hip, and he just says, he broke, right, Tony? And that was it. Wrestling's done. Wrestling's over with God. I'm not wrestling with God anymore. And I'm with you, Lord, whatever you want from my life, wherever you want to take me, whatever you want to do, I don't need to be, I don't need to do. Your life is my life. My life is yours. 
Don't you love those moments? So he says, to finish here, he says, Genesis chapter 35, arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. But he says in verse two, so Jacob told everyone in his household, come on, this is what happens. When all the wrestling's done, when the reconciliation comes, it says that he said, get rid of all your pagan idols, purify yourselves, put on clean clothing, because he said, for now, right, we are now going to Bethel. Our journey's done. The struggle's over. The wrestling's over. Just everything that you brought with you, just get rid of it. You don't need it anymore. Those gods are not going to help you. There's nothing you have fresh and clean and new. And it says, so they gave Jacob all their pagan idols and their earrings, and they buried them under the great tree near Shechem. And it says that he and his household, verse 6, arrived at Bethel. And verse 7, Jacob built an altar there and named the place El Bethel. And I thought this was so amazing. It says that he named the place El Bethel. Everybody say El Bethel, which I thought was a little interesting because Bethel already means house of God or God's house. But El means God. The Beth means house. The El means God, God's house, Bethel. So now we're saying God, house, God. And he tells us, so there's no confusion. Sometimes we read these words and we try to come up with answers, but he actually tells us why. He says, which means God of Bethel means it's God's house all by itself. This was the place where God said he would dwell, but then God showed up. I knew it was God's house. I was aware this is where God dwells. I called this place Bethel before, but now when I dealt with some things, come on, when I went through my journey and I finished my wrestling and when I buried the idols, when I got through all of that, come on, church, when I came to that place with him, now I call it, it's God's house, but it's the house of God where God actually is. It's the place where I have intimacy with him. God will come and find you. God will give you a plan. God will give you a purpose. God will let you go through a journey if that's what's necessary to deal with your flesh. But ultimately, he wants you to get to this place where it's you and him. Where you're not just aware of him and say, wow, that's amazing. The ladder and you standing there. And this, this is surely God's, this is surely a holy place, but a place where you know him yourself. He came to the place where he knew him himself. And it says that because God appeared, he named it God of Bethel because God had appeared to him there when he was fleeing from his brother Esau. And it says that now that Jacob had returned from Padan Aram, God appeared. Everybody say, God appeared to him again at Bethel. So the better thing is, I think that this is a little wordy. He's saying, he appeared to me once and I named it Bethel. I named it Bethel, but I named it El Bethel because God appeared to me again. And this time when he appeared to me again, there was no more Jacob left. 
Come on, he names him Israel here. There is no more Jacob. There's no more you. There's no more flesh. There's no more old. You don't have any motives. You don't have any striving. You have no desires. You have no plans. You have no purpose. You've got to come to the end of those things. You can't try to be somebody. That's not God's way. That's not his word. And you can fight that. <laughs> you can fight it. And you're going to get a fight back. Because God loves you. Everybody say, God loves me. You need to know that. He loves you so much. Jesus loves you. He gave his own life for you. But you're not going to know Jesus in your flesh. He'll be with you. you. He can eternally secure you. He can put a seal on you and say, okay, uh, you are mine. But the way I want to know you, we can't know each other like that until you deal with you. And it says, your name, verse 10, is Jacob, but now you will be called Israel. You're renamed. You're no longer Jacob. Now that you returned from Padan Aram and came to Bethel. You know, I just went looking as I was, as I was uh, just, I was curious. I knew that the name Padan Aram meant something just as special as Bethel. Because it's a big part of the story. When you read the story of Jacob, you never focus on Padanaram. Everybody even know that name? Except just maybe, oh yeah, I've heard it. But nobody, we don't really think of Padanaram. We think of Laban, right? We remember some of the key parts. But do you know he had to go to Padanaram? But then the, where the Lord really wanted him to be was in Bethel. He came to Bethel. God sparked him. He put the spark in his heart and said, this is your land, and I have a place for you. You're going to go through some things, but we're coming back here to that place. And when you come back, you won't be the same. But do you know where he went? Padanaram, do you know what it means? Plateau. I, I went to sleep last night because I, I was just thinking, all of a sudden, Padanaram is going through my mind. Padanaram, Padanaram. And I didn't look it up till this morning, and I said, I, Lord, okay, okay, there's something to that name. And when I saw that it meant plateau, listen, guys, we have a term for that, right? What does it mean in your life when you plateau, right? It feels like we're going nowhere. You hit that place where you just plateau. It feels like nothing's happening, and you know that's the exact place. Come on, guys, the place where nothing's happening. That's the resting. That's the settling. That's the trusting. You have to plateau, to get to God. You have to. It is just part of your journey and you have to let it happen to get to that place where you are not going anywhere except something's changing in you because that's all that matters. Because God blessed him in a very short amount of time. He actually blessed him supernaturally instantly at the very end. It had already been 14 years and then that next seven years, okay? It's easy math. 14 years, but then seven years, he is so blessed that his the family that he leaves says, you stole our wealth, he's so blessed. Which he didn't steal, that's not Jacob anymore. He just took what God was giving him. The world says it. Listen, they're gonna accuse you. Doesn't, oh, sorry, I don't mean to rant. 
TJ just told me that there's an Instagram called Pastor Shoes. I think that's disgusting. Not that they have shoes. I think it's disgusting that somebody took the time to go out and take pictures of all these pastor shoes, and they thought that was important to mock those pastors. I'm not even saying they should have the shoes, but that's really what we are as believers. We've got to start an Instagram called Pastor Shoes. Come on, guys. There's so much more for us. Forget all that. Forget them. Forget the ones. You think that they have shoes they shouldn't have? Who cares? You deal with you. you got to deal with God. This is between you and God. Jacob could have blamed Laban. He could have blamed Esau. If only I had struggled past you to get out of the womb first, I wouldn't have this battle. You could blame everybody else. you got to deal with yourself and deal with God. And when you do, God, I mean, he's waiting there. He's waiting there. He's got a house set up just for you to meet with you personally, to bless you, to give you life. Amen? Amen. Well, I just want to encourage you today. Be encouraged. Be blessed. God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. And he has a life for you. And if you're in the plateau, know that the Lord's not leaving you there. It's part of the process. He's bringing you to his presence. It's where you learn him. You just don't know it yet, but he's bringing you into his presence. Amen.